0: Okay, if you remember the last chapter, we ended this with the homunculus missing. Like, how would he not notice that this backpack all of a sudden got super light? Come on. Mm-hmm. Anyways, book two of the secret series by pseudonymous Bosch. Maybe that's how heavy he was. That is... Maybe that's how... Maybe no, he was heavy. Remember, Max kept falling down the hill? Yes, exactly. And he, he was in, But it, and his back still hurt so much. Oh, that's it. true. Okay, book two, chapter seven, page three hundred. That means three hundred. Okay. They tried the museum's kitchen first and saw at once that the homunculus had been there but left in disgust. The kitchen looked like it hadn't seen a meal in years. It was being used to store office supplies. The closest thing to food was a package of microwave popcorn that the homunculus had opened then scattered without popping, as if to say thanks but no thanks. The next they tried the reunion party upstairs. Cass crawled under people's legs, hoping to find a trail of corn kennels, if not bones, but no such luck. Max Ernest thought that he saw the homunculus slip into the gateway to the invisible, only to see if, only to see one of the midgets step out a second later. <clears throat> not too hard for him to disappear in the crowd, commented Yo-Yoji, looking out at the sea of carnies half whom looked as weird as the homunculus? Well, you'd know better than we would, Cass snorted. Not really, I only met those guys once before. I know about as much as you do. Cass looked skeptical. Seriously, I didn't even know anything about the homunculus before you told me. Yeah, because you already had a job, said Cass. Stonely. Us. The only reason I didn't tell you guys was because they said not to. Whatever, it's not important. What is important is that we just lost a two-foot-tall, 500-year-old man-eater... And we have no idea where he is, <clears throat> <clears throat> said Max Ernest, who had been having trouble following the logic, let alone underlying feeling that's behind the conversation. Giving up, they headed back downstairs. Could the midnight, midnight sun have gotten to him? Asked Lily as they reconvened in the workshop. If Dr. L or Miss Mobius had been there, we wouldn't have seen them, perhaps an operative of theirs. I think he was just hungry, muttered Cass. The kids felt miserable. They were all thinking the same thing, that the homunculus had left because they lied about food at the museum. Cass kept kicking herself for telling him that they would get crown roast. Why hadn't she thought about what happened before they got there? When she had expected Pietro to conjure a roast out of thin air, or to conjure a roast out of thin air, Pietro never said an unkind word, but that made it worse. Why didn't she feed him before they left her house? They were there. Anyways... He had expressed anger or our young heroes might have defended themselves. Oh, had he expressed anger, our young heroes may have defended themselves. After all, they'd brought the homonkios all the way to the museum, into the workshop even. How are they supposed to know if he'd escaped right from under their noses? But instead of betraying them, Pietro tried to hide how worried he was. He even showed Max Ernest a quick card trick before they went home. They were being treated like children and they knew it. It There was no discussion of the oath of turkis no talk of the future missions mr wallace said <clears throat> i told you so but you didn't have to be a mind reader to mrs wallace never said i told you so but you didn't have to be a mind reader to know that- what he was thinking what about the sound prism shouldn't they leave it with us i would think it would be safer he said but it's hers she's the heir." lily reminded him they debated it as if Cass herself were not present until finally pietro decided it was best she keep the sound prism we don't know how we don't know we don't know much about this object perhaps the sound prism it would not like to be in someone else's hands but right before they left he made the kids promise not to look for the homunculus it's too risky he said that much we know for nights afterward Cass slept with the sound prism under her pillow right next to her resurrected sock monster she was afraid to even keep the sound prism buried outside remember it was in her room put together kind of like haphazardly oh she was afraid to even keep the sound prism buried outside needless to say she didn't sleep very well the sound prism whispered to her in her dreams seeming to give voices to people and animals and objects indiscriminately all taunting her for for Failing the Turkish society for failing Pietro. Every barking dog was laughing at her. Every honking car was jeering at her. And you call yourself a survivalist, they said. You can't even keep the homunculus in a backpack. Cass was convinced that the sound prism wanted her to call the homunculus again. Or at least that's what the sound prism would make her go crazy if she didn't call him. But she resisted. If she couldn't save the world, at least she could prove to Pietro that she could keep her word. One night, she woke up from an especially restless sleep. R- a rustling sound was coming from under her pillow. First, she didn't think much of it. Hold on. First, she didn't think much of it. She was getting used to the odd, unidentified noises, but when she put the sound prism to her ear, it became certain that the noise it was picking up was coming from the backyard. An animal, perhaps? A cat? No, something larger. The homunculus? Was it Mr. Cabbage Face for himself looking for her? She tiptoed downstairs into the backyard in her pajama bottoms and her favorite tree her f- favorite tree people and favorite tree people sleeping tea. Although she'd held the sound prism in front of her, she didn't hear any more rustling or or much of it at all. For a second she thought she heard some kind of drumming and then realized it was her own heartbeat broadcasting over the back to her by the sound prism. Suddenly, Cass made a circuit around the yard, peering into the darkest darkness. Mr. Cabbageface? She waited for a few minutes, hugging her arms against the cold, but there was no response. And yet, she was certain someone or something had been out there. Naturally, she thought it was Miss Mavius and Dr. L, but they weren't. They, but wouldn't they already have crept inside to look for the sound prism or to kidnap her to do whatever horrible things they were going to do? perhaps the hermonculus had come but then changed his mind or thought he had the wrong house there was one way to find out for sure if she called him on the sound prism he would have to come true Cass had promised not to look for him but this was clearly different situation and she would only try try only small short toss a small short toss audible if he were close Cass looked back at her house to make sure no lights had gone on and that her mother was still sleeping Then she stood in the middle of the yard and tossed the sound prism into the air. The ball rose higher than she'd intended, but not so high that the tune would carry all the way around the world. It had been a long time since she'd heard it, and the eerie song was strangely comforting. Almost immediately, she heard rustling sound. All of her senses on alert. She scanned the surroundings for a sign of the homunculus. Surely he would show himself now, or was he still too angry with her? She saw a glimmer of light behind the bushes of the Barbie garden, Mr. Cabbage face she whispered again by the time she reached the spot, whoever it was was gone, as a cold as a cold, unhappy Cass walked back upstairs to her room. A smug, smiling amber walked quickly down the street away from Cass's house. She held her sparkling pink cellphone aloft the, aloft a trophy, and with a good reason on her phone was a freshly recorded song of the sound prism. Miss Mavius would be very happy. <gasps> that little twit oh boy nice (laughs) all right i think we have time for another chapter